listening to Cherokee Hills Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about CHBC or ways to get involved, visit chbcok.info. Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Merry Christmas Eve morning. I'm one of those. Sorry, Chris. Or Dave, or whoever said that. I don't know. It's, it's morning. It's not Eve. Well, thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, thank you for taking your time away from family and your traditions to be here this morning. Uh, there's no better place to be, right? Uh, I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, excited for this opportunity to preach the word here at CHBC. Um, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open to John 3.16. Uh, perhaps not the scripture that you were expecting, uh, but one that, um, as we'll see, really ties in perfectly with the Christmas message. And while you're turning there, uh, I just want to say, uh, again, I'm really excited to be here, excited to have this opportunity to preach the word to this family. Um, and for those of you that don't know me, my name is Preston. My family's been here at CHBC for around uh, six years or so. In that time, I've served as volunteer um, staff, kind of, uh, mostly working alongside Cameron. Um, some of you right now are saying, wait, I thought that was Cameron. Uh, we do spend a lot of time together. We are, in fact, different people. Uh, but <clears throat> it's been a, an honor to serve this congregation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and I thank you guys for um, everything you've poured into our family over this time. Uh, nearly six years ago, when the Lord brought us here, uh, we didn't, didn't have any idea what he had in store for us. And you guys have walked with us through uh, salvations, through baptisms, and now this, uh, if I can make it through this. <laughs> so thank you guys uh, for the relationships and, and the love and the prayers that you've poured out to our family. Uh, and I can say that it's uh, because of that faithfulness in all of you that I have this opportunity to be here this morning. So, uh, let's jump in. By now, you've probably had a chance to turn there. Uh, we'll be reading through verse 18. Uh, so it's kind of a short section and one that I'm sure most people are familiar with. Uh, but in those few words are packed some of the sweetest promises of God. So if you would, please stand with me as we read the word together. <clears throat> John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Not only uh, this word that we just read, but God, the word made flesh. <clears throat> Lord, as we worship you this morning in the reading and examination of your holy word, I pray that we would be reminded, God, of the simplicity, the complexity, and the necessity of your gospel. Father, I pray that on this Christmas Eve morning, as we examine the traditional scriptures and, and focus on the usual stories and themes, God, that your spirit would not let us rest in comfortable routine, but that our hearts would be stirred with a passion for your gospel, Lord. We thank you that you sent Jesus on our behalf to accomplish what we could never accomplish, 
to make your creation right and whole before you so that we might enjoy an eternity in your holy presence. God, we thank you for your loving kindness, and we pray that you would further reveal yourself to us this morning through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to do something a little weird here. I want to work kind of out of order or backwards through this text. So let's look first at verse 18. It says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Condemnation is our original state, right? And it's our first truth this morning that sin is our nature. Remember, you look back at uh, Genesis 2, we only end up making it about four paragraphs into human history as a whole before our sinful nature goes and messes things up, right? When we look back at Genesis 2, God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them one command, just one. What is it? That they not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and you know, we look at this and we say, come on, Adam, it's so simple. It's just fruit. It's not, you know, wait till you discover cane sauce and french fries or, or Brennan's pulled pork, right? It's just fruit. But the point of this story, remember, is not to illustrate the sinful act of one man and one woman. Remember, they are not the problem here. This story is told to us to remind us that we are the problem, right? God wasn't surprised when Adam and Eve ate the fruit. It was always part of his holy plan to demonstrate his infinite mercy in the face of our disobedience. The point of the story is to illustrate that apart from him, left to ourselves, We are sinful, and our sinfulness is what separates us from him. Now, what happens next in the story is where a lot of people really struggle, because God issues what seems like a really harsh punishment, right? A curse is brought forth on humanity, painful childbearing, thorns and thistles, a generally laborious existence, right? How could a loving God exact such a uh, curse on, on his creation? right? But there's two things that you have to remember here. First, the utmost importance uh, is to remember that God is the creator, and as such, he alone has the rule and reign over his creation. But also remember that what the punishment was supposed to be. Remember what he tells them. He originally promised to trade death for disobedience. And our punishment for disobeying an infinitely righteous God should have been eternal separation. But God spared us and continued to show his love through his mercy all throughout the Old Testament. And that's perhaps the most prevailing theme of the Old Testament is God's continued mercy in the face of our continued disobedience. Remember, he leads his people out of Egypt. He provides manna from heaven. He goes ahead of them as a pillar of cloud and of fire. He gives water from a rock. He raises up a serpent in the wilderness, which Jesus, even a couple verses earlier in John, uh, compares or parallels to his own sacrifice um, coming up, right? But despite his great mercy throughout history, we continued sinning. But God continued loving. And in love, he foretold and ultimately provided the ultimate atonement and perfect atonement for our sins. And that brings us to our second truth this morning, that Christ is our cure. 
From the foundations of the earth, God's perfect plan for imperfect man was to redeem us by the blood of Jesus. The ultimate act of selflessness and humility, uh, a more perfect atoning work than any sacrifice or offering that we could ever provide. See, the law that God provided made a way for us to be justified to him by our strength. The cross made a way for us to be justified to a holy God by his strength. So look with me quickly at uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. I don't remember if I put it in there or not. looks like I did. Okay. Uh, so you don't have to turn there. The scripture will be up. Uh, but if you, I would encourage you to write this down, revisit it often, um, preach the gospel to yourself every day. And that's where this verse brings us. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, verse 1 begins, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And here's the promise. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Mm. It's a tough one. I told you I couldn't keep it together, didn't I? <laughs> See, God was rich in mercy. Think about that for a second. It's so easy to lose sight of God as a loving and, and gentle and caring provider and protector and comforter. So often when we talk about God or think about God, we picture the big booming voice in the sky with the white beard who you know, calls the shots. But we have to remember that God loves his creation. It's written all throughout the Old Testament. And ultimately, where we land today in, in the sacrifice of his son. But how does he love us? Look back at verse 16 of John. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And most of your Bibles probably translate it that way. I think that's kind of the majority. Uh, and I like to read it with a little bit of emphasis on that third word. For God so loved the world. In other words, he loved us so much this is what he did. And some of your Bibles might translate it a little differently. In fact, the uh, CSB translates it in a way that I really like. I know that'll make Stephen happy. <laughs> um, it says, for God loved the world in this way. So however you read it, the message is the same, that God's love for us was so profound that not wanting separation from him, he gave of himself in the form of Jesus to be a perfect sacrifice to achieve and secure our salvation completely and eternally if we put our faith in him. And then along with that, we're given a beautiful promise in verse 18 that whoever believes in him is not condemned. And this is echoed again in Paul's writings, uh, many other places as well, but uh, Romans 8, one of my favorite chapters of the New Testament, Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Brothers and sisters, this Christmas season, uh, we love to read and, and dwell on the Luke 2 story. Baby Jesus, lying in a manger, silent night. And those are important truths, absolutely. 
But remember this morning that the Christmas story is as much about why Jesus came as it is that Jesus came. And because of, Jesus came because of God's great love for us. And as Scripture tells us in Psalm 136 that we just read up here this morning, His steadfast love endures forever. If you're here this morning and you've put your trust in Him, rejoice in what God has done. That is the Christmas story. He came so that you could have that freedom. There is no more shame. There is no more condemnation. In Him you have everlasting life. And if you're here and that's not you, friends, while you have breath in your lungs, it's never too late to put your faith in him. And if that's something that you feel the Lord is calling you to this morning, please find one of our pastors, one of our leaders, someone you trust, someone you're sitting next to, and have that conversation. We would love to walk with you through that. Now, while the band comes up, I have one more thing that I want to uh, read to you, a little excerpt that you probably weren't expecting, uh, but is really not all that surprising when you consider my household and realize that children's books outnumber adult books about four to one. So, we're going to read from the Storybook Bible this morning, if you have it with me. It's, have yours with you, sorry. Uh, it'll be page 302. And this is the uh, crucifixion story. There's no way I'm making it through this one. Um, As you see in Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, John 19, and this is the way that we see it in our storybook Bible. So you're a king, are you? The Roman soldiers jeered. Then you'll need a crown and a robe. They gave Jesus a crown made out of thorns and put a purple robe on him and pretended to bow down to him. Your majesty, they said, and they whipped him and they spat on him. They didn't understand that this was the prince of life, the king of heaven and earth who had come to rescue them. The soldiers made him a sign, our king, and nailed it to a wooden cross. They walked up a hill outside the city. Jesus carried the cross on his back. Jesus had never done anything wrong, but they were going to kill him the way criminals were killed. They nailed Jesus to the cross, Father, forgive them, Jesus gasped. They don't know what they're doing. You say you've come to rescue us, people shouted, but you can't even rescue yourself. But they were wrong. Jesus could have rescued himself. A legion of angels would have flown to his side if he'd called. If you were really the son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have just said a word and made it all stop like when he healed that little girl and stilled the storm and fed 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept him there. It was love. Well, in 2009... It snowed on Christmas Eve, nine inches. It was a Christmas miracle. I know the forecasters, Matt Muller, is he here? He's trying to watch online. He's our, he's our uh, meteorologist, and uh, he, he promised that there was going to be snow, and then they backed off on that 
prediction. And, but, but the truth is, we remember these incredible moments during the season. And for us, I, I also remember how uh, we, it, we couldn't go to our grandparents' house. We didn't go up north, and we stayed home. And I remember the Lord telling us, listen, I, I remember distinctly my family and my wife were like, hey, we should go. We can do it. We can make it. And I'm like, no, we're not going. I, I do not feel safe. We are staying home, and uh, we're, we're not going anywhere. Well, that same afternoon, I-40 shut down. It was gridlock, and, and unfortunately, there was a, a devastating event where people lost their lives on the highway. Well, thanks, Pastor Chris. You just uh, sucked the joy out of that Christmas experience. But the truth is, the reason we have so much joy and celebration is because we know how much victory we've experienced because of the story that we just heard uh, in the children's moment, but also from Preston and the incredible articulation of the power of Jesus coming, breaking through our reality. And so with that, uh, we're not going to keep doing uh, Baptist calisthenics. I know we've been up and down a lot. And so I'm not going to ask you to stand in the reading of the word, uh, which we traditionally do. Uh, But in John chapter 1, John's interpretation of the same Christmas story is articulated like this. John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shone in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. This is the picture that we celebrate this morning. I know we, we do the traditional things that we do. We gather around the tables like we're going to do this afternoon and tomorrow's special day that it is. But we, the reason you're here, the reason you come is, is to mark a remembrance, a memorial to this incredible birth of Jesus. And it's important to know that John articulates and makes it abundantly clear that God broke through our reality. And he sees your situation, your circumstances. He knows your story. And that is the point of this virgin birth, the story of the book of Luke, what we just heard um, from the word prior is that he broke through the reality to become one of us. The Christmas season is a Christmas of a God that is near the brokenhearted. He is near those who are celebrating even. And he became just like us with one exception, that Jesus took on sinless humanity, sinless perfection and therefore having the ability to make atonement and payment on your behalf a perfect sacrifice for you and me John and the other disciples experience this personal God firsthand this personal experience in Jesus as he John and the other disciples followed Jesus he watched 
They watched Jesus do the things that he did. The people who, who touched his garment and were healed, the woman personally experienced Jesus. The, those who were fed by, by, by Jesus, the thousands and thousands of people who were fed by him miraculously in a number of accounts personally experienced his miraculous humanity. Jesus identifies with us, with us in many ways. In John 4, 6, Jesus was weary. Anybody weary? I got really weary yesterday by going out and shopping the one day I didn't order on Amazon Prime. We get, we get weary, and Jesus identifies with our weariness. In John 4, 7, Jesus experienced thirst. And the aspects of that for the first time... In Philippians, it talks about how he gave up a part of his divine privileges as king, coming off his throne and dwelling amongst us. He experienced the same humanity of of the flesh that we did, except sinfulness. He experienced thirst and hunger. He sweat. In John 11, 33, Jesus grieved deeply he was deeply burdened by life anybody burdened by life anybody feel weary and beat down this morning he identifies you with you john eleven thirty five. 35 jesus openly wept i'm thankful for that he's a man and he cries you're welcome But he felt sorrow, so much sorrow that he expressed it in humanity. Jesus broke through our reality. And this is a progression, if you will, from what Preston shared. This journey of of, of the significance of Christ, God with us. And so this morning we celebrate this Emmanuel God with us. Not this metaphorical idea that's out there somewhere that we celebrate annually in Christmas. God is with you. He broke through reality. And in John 19, 30 through 34, he bled and died for you. He took on the payment of guilt that was sentenced to me, that was a sentence to you. And instead of you paying the price because Jesus rose from the dead, he brings access to freedom and liberty this morning in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your loss, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of, of your shame, in the middle of your situation. He broke through the darkness and we sing, oh, holy night. And we fall on our knees in this adoration, admiration of God with us, Emmanuel. Have you encountered, have you personally encountered this Emmanuel, God with us? Have you had this moment? And even in our Christmas celebration, the reason our joy increases despite the darkness we see in the world is because we have an unmistakable, irreplaceable 
incredible hope and incredible peace. And the, the candles we light with those principles of love and joy and hope and peace is because Jesus came and brought hope. So if you're experiencing, and I know even today in my conversations in the hallway and engaging people in conversation, life isn't always full of roses and great expectations. And if you're not in a storm right now, you're about to go into one or you're coming out of one. And the truth is the reason Jesus came is because we need him. We need him. And so we celebrate this Christmas around that truth and that reality. And we finish this evening or morning with that understanding that God, Emmanuel, with us. If you're like me, I remember trying my way, trying to figure it out my way. And that just didn't work out too well. Instead of me getting out of the brokenness, it just increased and magnified the brokenness. And the darkness around me just continued to increase in its consuming nature. And I remember falling on my knees at 19. Like the song we came out of singing. Humbly admitting, I do not have it figured out. And I need you, Jesus. And may this for some of you be an encouraging word of your salvation and your joy. The season that should bring this incredible spirit of liberation and peace. May it be an incredible reminder that for today and tomorrow that we get to rest in that. For some of you, who come with smiling, happy faces, but inside, man, you're a wreck. He sees you. He joined you. And he is God with us, Emmanuel.